Jesus left that place and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon. There a Canaanite woman from that territory came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. A demon is severely tormenting my daughter. But he did not answer her a word. His disciples came and pleaded, Send her away, because she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt in front of him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered her, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to their little dogs. Yes, Lord, she said. Yet their little dogs also eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, your faith is great. It will be done for you, just as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heading into halftime, the score was 6-0. to zero. Our best player, Tucker, who scored almost all of our goals that season, was sick. Our excellent goalie, Austin, was on vacation with his family. And the remainder of the St. Paul Lutheran soccer team that I was coaching was this hodgepodge of very nice kids who were trying hard, but they were minimally athletic and just getting their clock cleaned. As the first half ticked down, I had to start thinking about what kind of halftime speech I was going to give these kids. Now, if you've never been in that position of having to give a pep talk to a youth sports team that's just getting slaughtered, you got three basic categories of halftime speeches that you can give. Uh, the first template for your speech can be the hang in there speech, which in this case would go something like this. Look, just hang in there. You're already down six zip. If they score two more goals, the mercy rule kicks in. We can all go home and watch TV. It's true, but it's not very inspiring. Your second basic category of speech can be the just do your best speech. But that wasn't really going to work in this case because it felt like they were doing their best and they were just getting killed anyway. And that leaves the third possible category for your speech, which is don't give up. And I said, that's the one I'm going to go with. Don't give up. Never give up. Well, as the kids started trotting over to the bench, I said a quick prayer. I did not ask for a miraculous come from behind win, because if I'm going to ask for a miracle, it'll be something more important than you soccer. But I did say a prayer. Went something like this. All right, God. I'm going to give them the don't give up speech. Dear Lord, please, when I tell them not to give up, don't let any of these children ask the obvious question. When I say don't give up, don't let anyone ask, why not? And thank God none of them did. Probably because they were too young to realize there are times in life when somebody tells you not to give up. It's pretty fair to ask, why not? If you are in a situation where only a miracle could help you and you are spending good time and good energy on something, there comes a point where it's fair and probably even wise to ask the question, why don't I just cut my losses here? Why keep throwing good time, good energy, good money after bad? Why not just give up? The Canaanite woman needs a literal miracle. And there are several spots along the line in this story where it would seem very fair to ask, Lady, 
Why don't you just quit? You need a miracle, and clearly no miracle is coming your way. So why don't you just give up? St. Matthew tells us the woman kept crying out to Jesus. Now that verb is intense. means screaming and hollering, and it implies an action that is done again and again and again. And yet Matthew also tells us Jesus did not answer her a word. So already you could say, lady, if you have to scream and holler after Jesus over and over and over again, and he doesn't even give you one word of answer, why don't you just quit? Why not save your vocal cords? Why not save your time and energy and Jesus' time and just give up? Jesus' disciples are already wondering that question because now this woman who for some reason will not give up, she has started in on them and they're, she is on their nerves now. His disciples came and pleaded, send her away because she keeps crying out after us. So when Jesus won't answer, now she starts in on Jesus' disciples. And G until those disciples plead, literally beg Jesus to send the woman away. But instead, Jesus does something that appears even more cruel. He finally does give an answer, but he gives an answer still without even acknowledging that the woman is there. He gives an answer, but he does not even address it to her, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, now it's definitely time to give up. Jesus has just said that he has come for Israel, and this woman is not part of Israel. She is a Gentile. She is a Canaanite woman. We don't know if she even hears the answer that Jesus gives to her disciples. But either way, it's past time to give up. I mean, if she does hear the answer that Jesus gives, then she knows. And if she doesn't, well... He still hasn't acknowledged her. He still hasn't spoken to her. And yet, instead of giving up, now the woman actually steps it up. She will force Jesus to address her, to speak to her directly. She came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Now, are you noticing this, that the more reasons Jesus gives her to quit, the harder she goes after him. Now what more could Jesus possibly do to get it into the head of this stubborn lady that he's not going to help her? What else could Jesus possibly come up with to finally get her to give up? How about calling her a dog? He answered her, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to their little dogs. Well, now she should finally get the message. And sometimes it's better to just give up on Jesus. You can see he's not helping. Has it ever seemed to you like giving up on Jesus was maybe the smarter thing to do? Maybe all the time, all the energy, all the money just wasn't worth it. For example, maybe you had a serious problem in your life the way this woman did. So. You did what you were supposed to do. What they taught you in Sunday school, what they tell you in church, you had a problem. So you took it to Jesus for help. Because that's what a Christian is supposed to do. But maybe, like this Canaanite woman, he met you with silence at first. 
And maybe like her, you refuse to give up because that's what the Bible says too. You've got to be like that persistent widow and just keep going back. So maybe you, like her, got down on your knees and knelt in front of Jesus and you wore out your soul in prayer. But maybe then he gave you an answer that was worse than silence. Your problem actually got worse or it spun into more problems. Well, apparently it is time to give up, right? Or maybe you were facing a temptation and you, you did what you were supposed to do. You went to Jesus. You asked him for strength, help to overcome that temptation. But it lingered and finally it seemed too strong. The chemical, the website, or the wager that went too far. What happens the next time that temptation comes around? What do we think? Well, did what I was supposed to do last time. I went to Jesus for help and that didn't work, so maybe it's just time to give up and go with this thing. Or, you know, we come here, we put money in the plate. Some of you apparently put a lot of money in the plate, which is great. Why do you do that? Well, hopefully you do it because you love Jesus. You want the good news of your Savior for yourself, for your family, for the other people in the congregation. And hopefully you do it because... You also want Jesus to meet the people who are out there who do not know him. You want the people who don't belong to this congregation or any congregation to learn about the love of their Savior and come to faith. So hopefully at least part of the reason you put all that money in the plate is so that we can do things like run advertisements and have Easter egg hunts and vacation Bible schools and charity drives to invite more people to come and hear about Jesus. And then we look around on Sunday morning and what do we see? Mostly the same old familiar faces. And it's kind of like, Jesus, where are you here? Feels like we're pulling our weight, we're keeping up our end. Where's the help? Maybe time to give up. So for all the reasons that Jesus gave this Canaanite woman to quit on him, he gave her even more reasons not to, and they were bigger reasons, and they were better reasons. Reason number one for this woman not to give up, keep clinging to Jesus with this tenacious faith that she has, is that Jesus is there. Jesus has come to her. Now, he does say that he is only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But he has to mean only in the sense of first or primarily, which that Greek word can also use. And Israel was God's chosen nation. They had the privilege of carrying the promise of the Savior down through the centuries. But Jesus is for Gentiles too. If Jesus did not care about Gentiles, if he did not love them, what would he be doing in the region of Tyre and Sidon, which is Gentile territory, far north of Israel? Jesus loves Gentiles too. And this is promised throughout the prophecies of the Old Testament, including one that we heard just a few minutes earlier, where the Father is speaking to his son, the promised savior, through the pen of Isaiah the prophet, and he says, it is too small a thing that you should just be my servant to raise up only the tribes of Jacob and restore the ones I have preserved in Israel. So I will appoint you to be a light for the nations so that my salvation will be known to the end of the world. The same Jesus who says he is only for Israel 
is also for her and for all Gentiles, and he never does turn her away. So she refuses to quit. A second excellent reason for this woman to keep clinging to Jesus, keep calling out to him without giving up, is that she knows who Jesus is. You know, this is not a very long story. It's only eight verses long. And she manages, in the span of just eight verses, to call Jesus Lord three times. And she also calls him Son of David, which was a title for the Old Testament for the Messiah, the Son of God who was coming into the world. So this woman understands not only is Jesus there for her, he is God who is there for her. She looks at Jesus and sees the Almighty God who has the power to help her with her problem. And another reason for her to keep holding on to Jesus with this ferocious faith that she has is that Jesus has welcomed her into God's house, into his family. It is easy when Jesus calls her a little dog to see an insult in that statement, and it is a stiff test of this woman's faith, but she does have faith. And what does her faith do? It hunts for the good news in what Jesus says, and it grabs onto the good news and refuses to let go. So where is the good news in what Jesus said to her? Well, to find it, you have to understand that in Jesus' culture, most people did not think of dogs as man's best friend. Most people viewed dogs the way most of us view rats, filthy, disease-carrying vessels. Except, except, they did have these cute little puppy lap dogs, kind of like pocket poodles. And these little dogs, they would bring into the house. And they were loved. They were part of the family. They were not children, of course, but they were part of the family, and they were loved. And because they were loved, and they were in the house, part of the family, when the family ate, they were allowed to sit around the dinner table and eat. Now, of course, nobody threw them a whole fresh baked loaf of bread or anything like that, but they were also allowed to eat from the food that fell from the table because they were loved too. They were part of the family too. And that's the kind of dog that Jesus calls her. And her faith sees the good news in that and holds on to it. She is in God's house. She is a member of his family. Now, she's not a child. She's not one of the chosen people of Israel, but she is in God's family by faith. And she gets to sit at the table and receive blessings from God too. She doesn't get first crack at those blessings the way the Israelites did, but God loves her too. And she also receives blessings in his house. You see, Jesus, he leaves the door open with that good news. And her faith is so strong that it just smashes right through. Yes, Lord, she said, yet their little dogs also eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, your faith is great. It will be done for you just as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. And it is not often that Jesus pays someone the compliment of praising their faith. But this woman clearly does have great faith. And where did this ferocious faith that clung to Jesus and called out to him and refused to give up, where did it come from? It came from all of the beautiful truths that she understood and believed about Jesus Christ. Jesus was present for her. He had come to her, to her region, 
of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus was there as the Almighty God, and he was her Savior too. He had also brought her into God's house, into God's family, to receive every spiritual blessing. It is these amazing truths of our Savior Jesus that caused this woman to keep calling out to Jesus, to continue clinging to him in faith, and to never give up. Jesus was there for her. He is the Almighty God. He was her Savior too, who brought her into God's family, the seat at his table. And these are the same beautiful gospel truths of our Savior Jesus that will feed our faith and make it just as strong as this Canaanite woman's. Jesus is here. He is present for you and me. He is God Almighty, and He is our Savior too. He is the Savior of all people. He has brought us into God's house as part of God's family. Jesus Christ is here with you. As before Jesus ascended back into heaven, he promised his followers that he is with them always to the very end of the age, the end of the world. Jesus is with you now. He will be with you when you leave here today. And he will be with you every moment of your life. He is just as much with you as he was with that woman in Tyre and Sidon 2,000 years ago. The fact that you do not see him with your eyes does not matter at all. Jesus Christ is present for you. And he is your Savior too. Because the Heavenly Father decreed that it was just too small of a thing for his son to be the Savior of just one little nation in the Middle East. God wanted the entire world, all people, to be part of his house. Yes, Israel came first. Israel was the chosen nation. But the light of Jesus' salvation shines for all the nations of the world. The holy life that Jesus lived is for everyone. It is perfection in the place of every sinful human being, no matter when or where they were born. The death that Jesus died on the cross to take the wrath of God that we deserve, that was for every sinful human being, no matter when or where they lived. And when Jesus rose from the grave, he conquered death for everyone who has ever lived in this world. Jesus' salvation is for all. Jesus is still the Almighty Son of God. All he had to do was speak. All he had to do was say the word, and the demon that was terrorizing that woman's daughter was gone at that very hour. That is the power of God that Jesus holds to help everyone who trusts in him. And just like that Canaanite woman, you are also a part of God's family. You're also in his house through faith in his son, Jesus. You have a seat at his table, and as long as you are in God's house, as long as you are a member of his family through faith in his son, he blesses you with every spiritual blessing. The forgiveness of your sins, the promise of a resurrection to eternal life, and peace with God now and forever. These are the truths of Jesus that made the faith of that Canaanite woman so strong. And these are the truths of Jesus that will make our faith strong too. He is here with us. He is God Almighty. And he is our Savior who makes us part of the divine family. There is maybe one more question to think about, which is, why did Jesus treat this woman this way? Why did he make her wait and work so hard 
for the help that she needed. Why, why didn't Jesus just look into her heart and see that amazing faith that she had and just bless her immediately by driving out the demon from her daughter? Well, Jesus had more than one goal on this day, not just to drive out a demon, although that was important. His other goal was to make sure that at the end of this day, the Canaanite woman's faith would be even stronger than it was at the beginning. And that is why he makes her wait and work. He is keeping her eyes on him, calling out to him, speaking to him, listening to him. Do you see how Jesus works here? Now, he wants our faith to be strong like hers. So when Jesus seems to be keeping you at arm's length, when he seems to be shutting you down, the last thing he wants you to do is to quit on him, to give up. He is keeping you with him longer, keeping your eyes on him, calling out to him, listening to him, speaking to him. Never give up on your Savior Jesus. Never quit on him. Remember who he is. Remember that he is with you, that he is your Savior who has made you part of God's family. And if he seems to be pushing you away or shutting you down, he is only working to feed your faith so that in the end, you'll cling to him like she did. Amen.